Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Monday, August 21st, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right. I hope everyone had a good weekend. Um, if you were in Southern California, I hope you avoided the rain. They made a big deal over that. But as usual, I don't think it was much of anything, right? I think it, it petered out. They always make a big of deal of these things. It's with rain, snowstorms. They always make this huge deal. Like, it's the end of the world. And then it's just a little bit of rain. A little bit of wind and rain. It's called a storm. It was a stormy Sunday in Southern California. Usually not in August, but big deal. And uh, it's gone now. It's moving out. It's, it's no longer a tropical storm. So... There was that <clears throat> bit of excitement here in California. State of emergency right away. Gavin Newsom right away. The hair gel king with his uh, state of emergencies. Everything's a state of emergency. Even at one point they had said something like, don't go out. It was just about a hair short of like another stay at home order. Um, that's the first reaction. The liberals is to go to a state of emergency. Everything is an emergency. Everything is, now we have the right to tell you what to do. That's it. Any excuse, we now have the right to tell you what to do, whether it's a cold virus, a rainstorm, whether we say it's climate change, we have to, the earth has warmed 0.0001% over the last 137 years. We now have the right to tell you what to do, what not to do. Gas stove, no gas stoves, can't, ter can't turn your thermostat lower than 78 the people are insane with the need to control people. Insane with the need to control people. It's always their their go-to, right? Their go <clears throat> their go-to reaction is to control people, and uh, that's all they know. Even when it does no good. Even when it does more more harm than good. And of course, and we'll talk about this. In a little while, they're trying to bring back COVID fear and hysteria again. Again, they're trying to bring back COVID fear and hysteria. This is going to be yearly for the rest of our lives that the left tries to bring back, the left and their media allies tries to bring back COVID fear and hysteria. Oh my God, it's the fall and people are getting cold. You ever hear of people getting colds in the fall? I've never, that's just shocking. It really is shocking. We said this would never end. Remember, we were called. Those of us who back in March, April, May of 2020 were saying this would never end, that it would go on to 2021 and then 2022 and then 2023 and now 2024 will be here in a blink of an eye. They said we were conspiracy theorists. No, you're nuts. You're trying to make this bigger than it. You're trying to make us look like crazy, like we're going to drag this on for three, four or five years. We're not going to do that. 15 days, 15 days, 15 days. And of course, we were all called conspiracy theorists. And here we are almost four years later. And they're continuing it over and over and over and over again. Um. I know if you live in places like Florida or Texas or Georgia or Arizona or 95% of the country, you're like, Mike, what are you talking about? No one here is talking about that stuff. Well, I live in California, right? And we still have this federal government run by this dementia patient, this stage four Alzheimer's patient. Um, 
so, you know, we start to deal with this stuff. This is still, you know, hanging over our heads. And so we still have to deal with it. So, but you are lucky if you're in a state like Florida, run by the great governor, Ron DeSantis, you don't really have to worry about any of this stuff. On the state level, COVID ended a long time ago. COVID mandates ended a long time ago. COVID, the emergency, ended a very long time ago. And you've been living normally for a very long time. The rest of us, yeah, not so, not so much. Not so much. We start to deal with it. Especially here in California or in New York. It's just something we have to deal with probably forever. Never ending. They'll never, they'll never let it end. They'll never let it end. Too much money. Too much money involved, uh, too many hits on social media, too many views on television, too many listens on the radio. It's just too big business. COVID is big business, very big business. So that's why it'll never, it'll never go away. Like uh, one Donald J. Trump, he'll never go away either, it seems. Well, here we are in debate week. I haven't even mentioned it. Seven minutes into this show, and I haven't mentioned that we are into into debate week. Here we are. We're two days away from the debate. Now, I'm not going to have a show tomorrow. Tuesday night, there will be no show. But Wednesday night, I will be on after the debate. I believe the debate airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. It goes for two hours. So the debate will end around 8 p.m. Pacific and uh, 11 p.m. Eastern. And as usual, I'll be on at 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. You confused? No. I'll be on about three hours after the debate ends, okay? Um, and then we'll have all the coverage here, right? Um, I'm thinking of going to the Republican Party. The Republican Party, the San Francisco GOP, yes, there is one. There is. This is not a lie. This is real news. They're going to be having a debate watch party. And uh, I, think, I'm, I think I'll go. I think I'll go. I'll wear my DeSantis hat. And hopefully I don't get into too many fights with Trump supporters and will. Why would a Trump supporter even go? Why don't they just stay home and watch him with his Tucker interview? I don't understand. So maybe there won't be any Trump supporters. Who knows? Um, it'll be interesting to find out with the dynamic, how the dynamic is developing here in San Francisco, in California in general, as to the primary, who the favorite candidates are, the people. So, so I think I'll go to that now. Here we are, for less than 48 hours as I speak, as I speak, uh, less than 48 hours away from this debate, and uh, Trump says he's not going to, he's definitely not going to be in it, and he's now decided, at least he's saying this as of now, he's not going to be in any of these debates, zero. They're, they're supposed to be at least 12 Republican debates. They can always add, subtract, depending on how many candidates are left coming, going into next year. But there's 12 scheduled, and he said he will not participate in any of the dozen debates. So what he wanted to do was <clears throat> he wanted to send surrogates to this debate on Wednesday, which is going to be hosted by uh, Fox News and, and Brett Baer. It's going to be on Fox News, okay, with Brett Baer being one of the moderators uh, on Wednesday. And Fox News has now decided that... Surrogates are not allowed. Surrogates are not welcome unless 
you are in the debate. If you're participating in the debate, then you can have your surrogates there. But if you're not participating in the debate, then your surrogates can go sit with you in the interview room with you and and Tucker Carlson as you hide behind Tucker's dress. So the surrogates will not be allowed. And this is the official story from about four hours ago. Uh, Fox News reportedly informed the Trump campaign earlier on Monday that surrogates for the former president will not be allowed to attend the first debate. The barring of Trump surrogates from attending Wednesday's debate at the Fiserv Forum in Milwaukee comes one day after the 77-year-old former president confirmed he would not participate in the event, which is going to be aired on Fox News. The ex-commander-in-chief's eldest son, Don Trump Jr., said Monday that he'd be attending the showdown as a surrogate for his father. His fiancée, Kimberly Guilfoyle, was also expected to show up at the event and run media for the former president. Um, former President Donald Trump announced uh, over the weekend he definitely wouldn't be showing up. Um, now, Trump Jr. said he was going to go, and also I believe it was uh, Carrie Lake was going to go, and Byron Donalds and Matt Gates, all these great winners. But now they were told that they can't be there. Member of Trump's campaign team and the former president's surrogates will still travel to Milwaukee amid the banishment and are working on a resolution with Fox News and an RNC committee in order to be allowed in the post-debate spin room, according to the report. Martha McCallum will be the other moderator. And Brett Baer, um, Trump announced he would lightly skip all of the debates, citing his, listen to this, legendary poll number. Yeah, they're legendary because it's a legend. It doesn't exist. Legends of the past. Legends of the past. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, Vivek Rama, Rebecca Farmer Swampy, uh, former Vice President Mike Pence, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Asa Hutchison, Doug Burgum have met RNC donor polling thresholds allowed to be on. Who are these people? Who are these people? This is the problem with these early debates. You remember the early Democratic debates four years ago where they had all these crackpot candidates that you knew were never going to last. And they, they set the bar so low for the first couple of debates where basically if you get a $10 contribution, you get to go in, which is ridiculous. It really is. Uh, and, uh, and participate. So these early debates are going to be all of these people, you know, it's tough because you got two hours, you have seven, eight people up there. How many questions do you get to ask? What does each candidate get? 26 seconds for It's ridiculous. You don't really get to hear real answers until we get later into the debates when the numbers are cut down and people have more time to speak. But these, these early debates are kind of silly with all these candidates that everyone knows aren't serious candidates. They're not. Everyone knows these people are not going to be there two or three debates from now. They're certainly not going to be there at the end. Come on, Nikki Haley, please. Asa Hutchinson? Asa Hutchinson? Who, who the hell is Doug Burgum? Yeah, my goodness. <laughs> and I think that other guy, Perry Johnson, right, that businessman I heard also is allowed to be... You think Perry Johnson is going to be the Republican nominee? How many people raise your hand and think Perry Johnson is going to be the Republican nominee for president? So this is all silliness, you know, but it is the first one and you have to go through these growing pains. Um, but there will be more time and more oxygen because Trump's not going to be there. Think about that. That's great because that'll give people like DeSantis more time to speak and all the oxygen in the room won't be sucked in by uh, 
by Donald Trump. Uh, so instead, he'll do that interview with uh, with Tucker Carlson and uh, try to take as much steam away. Now, talking about taking steam away from the from the from the debate. Guess when Trump is going to get his mugshot? Guess when he's going to be arraigned? Guess when he's going to show up? On Thursday. Of course he is, because he knows he wants to limit any positive press that any of the other candidates are going to get in this debate, especially Ron DeSantis. So he knows that this, the, the, the cycle of news post-debate will be less than 24 hours before he shows up at that courthouse and the arraignment and steals the news cycle away from the debate. Once again, how many times do I have to prove? If I were a lawyer, I'd be a pretty fucking good lawyer. How many times... How do I have to prove that Trump is all in this for himself? It's all about Donald Trump. He won't go to the debate to talk about real issues with other candidates, but he will make sure he sucks the air out of it by stealing away the news cycle the next day for himself, for himself, and not like for himself talking about issues. He's going to be arraigned for the fourth time. That's how he's going to steal away the news cycle. Once again, proving it's all about himself and once again, proving why the left wing media, the right wing media, all media, except for maybe this show and a few others, want Donald Trump to be the nominee. He gets ratings. People watch. It's like a car wreck you cannot turn away from. That's what Donald Trump does. And the media knows this. The media knows this, so they want as much Trump as they can get before he goes away. And he will eventually, one way or another, go away by the grace of God or by the grace of the voters. He will go away, but they want to get as much out of him as possible. Just the way Trump wants to raise as much money as long as he can for his defense and stay in this for as long as he can. That's the whole point of this. The media's in it for themselves. Trump's in it for himself. We now learn that Vivek Ramaswamy, as though this was a shock, I've been saying this from day one, but now we know from insiders he has actually told people he's in it to take out DeSantis. That's why he's in it. He thinks he can get Trump's sloppy seconds after he's gone or be his VP running mate. <coughs> now, knowing that Trump can't win, but still, Vivek Ramaswamy wants to be a celebrity. That's what he wants to be. Everyone around him says that's what he wants to be. He wants to be like this social media star. He put up a, there was the rapping at the Iowa State Fair, which was grotesque enough. <clears throat> but now he put up a, 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 a video of himself playing tennis shirtless, playing tennis shirtless. And that was a big a big video he put up. So we know this guy just wants to be like a social media star. He's a young guy, a spoiled, young, wealthy guy who has nothing else to do with his money except help him become famous on the interweb. And so that's what he's doing. So he's in it for himself. Everyone's in this for themselves except for Donald Trump, except for, sorry, except for Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is in this to actually do things for people to actually accomplish things. And look, whether you agree with his political ideology or not, I don't think you can disagree with my 
my belief that he is in this to actually do things for other people, right? To actually get his agenda that he was able to get passed in Florida, passed in the rest of the country, the Florida blueprint for the rest of the country. Now, you might disagree with what he did in Florida. I don't know how. I don't know how you can disagree with number one in economy, number one in education, uh, you know, number one in the least amount of crime, number one in small business. I don't know how you can disagree with that stuff. But if you do disagree with that stuff, I think it's really not important that you might think it's more important that Disney gets tax breaks that no other corporation gets. Okay, if that's your ideology, that's your ideology. But you can't deny that Ron DeSantis has gotten the things done in Florida that conservatives want done that he promised he would get done. Unlike Donald Trump, who promised the world in 2016 and did nothing. Now, something happened over the weekend where Ron DeSantis was doing an interview. And in the process of the interview, he said, look, look, we, we have to actually want to do things. We have to actually want to get things accomplished for other people. We can't be empty vessels. We have to actually, I'm sorry, we can't be listless. I always think it's empty. For some reason, I say empty. Listless. He says, we can't be listless vessels, just following a cult of like a personality and what someone might write on Truth Social or Twitter. We have to actually look past that and try to get things done. That's my paraphrasing what he said. He said, we can't be listless vessels, right? All of us, all of us, including him. And then, of course, the media spin and the Trump spin is that he called the Trump supporters listless vessels, which, by the way, would be nice because you know what I call them. I call them fucking morons. So calling them, even if he was calling them listless vessels, which he didn't in that in that interview, that's much nicer than what I would say. Maybe that's why I can't run for president. I'd say they're fucking morons and the world is better off if they didn't exist. That might be even that might get more press if a presidential candidate said that. But he was nice. He was nice about it. And uh, and of course, this is the big thing now. Right. This is the spin, the, the, the Trump spin. And what's interesting about this is that the media that loves to normally attack Trump, unless he's running in a primary against Ron DeSantis, which said media wants him to win, they are not correcting him on his spin of this. Now, as someone aptly put this on Twitter, the lack of criticism of Donald Trump and the fact checkers who all of a sudden have disappeared will magically reappear if he were to win the primary. In the general election, they will magically reappear. The fact checkers will reappear when it's Trump versus Biden. But now it's Trump versus DeSantis, so the fact checkers have gone away. Conveniently gone away. Once again, proving Mike Achopoli's point. I'll be like Trump, I'll talk in the first person. They, they, like Mike Achopoli's point that they want him to win for ratings. That is a selfish reason for wanting Donald Trump to win the primary. And they'll do whatever they can to assist him in winning in winning this primary. But Ron DeSantis makes some great points. And one is about Hillary Clinton. And there's actually a, uh, a video I'm gonna play. Do you remember Trump in 2015 and 2016? You remember the chant? What was the chant that he got all of his supporters to say? Lock her up, right? Lock her up, lock at the Republican convention, uh, General Kelly. Hard to believe that guy was actually a general. Thought there were standards, but 
General Kelly getting the crowd to cheer Locker. Remember, they were cheering Locker up, and he said, that's right, Locker up, Locker up. So this was the chant, right? This was one of several chants and key slogans that Donald Trump used during the, the, the campaign in 2016 to win, right? Lock her up, build a wall, make Mexico pay for it, right? Make America great again, drain the swamp. Okay, so those were his major promises that got a lot of people to vote for Donald Trump to say how great Donald Trump was. Did he uh, drain the swamp? We've been through that a million times. No, it got swampier. Mnuchin, Fauci, et cetera, et cetera. Did he have Mexico build the wall? No. Not only did Mexico not pay for the wall, he, he built about 10 feet of wall. That's it. Okay. Did he make America great again? I don't think so. I don't think he made America great again. Did he um, do anything? Did he lock Hillary up? Did he try to lock Hillary up? No. In fact, two weeks, two weeks after the election, after he won, of course, lost the popular vote by three million, but barely snuck by in the electoral college. He dropped the whole Hillary thing, right? He dropped it. He said, no, no, that was the, he actually said, I'll play it. I'll play the video. Here it is. This is actually a great video that never backed down. Uh, Ron DeSantis's uh, super PAC has put out, which was, which is fantastic. Remember what he said basically two weeks after the election was, no, that that played well during the campaign. Now we can forget about it. Now, what does that mean? That means I said that to get votes and you stupid idiots, you basically, you listless vessels just believed what I said and voted for me. And now you listless vessels will just forgive me because you are indeed listless vessels. Boy, you know what? Ron DeSantis didn't call them that, but I'm going to pick it up. I think they are listless vessels because whatever he says, they believe. And then when they find out that he lied, they forgive him for it. These are, isn't that the definition of a listless vessel? So this is a great video that Never Back Down uh, put out earlier today regarding Trump's campaign promise to prosecute Hillary Clinton. The Clintons are criminals. Remember that. They're criminals. I am going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation. Honestly, she should be locked up. She has to go to jail. Ending this criminal government corruption is one of the most important reasons you have to go out on November 8th. CNN projects Donald Trump wins the presidency. We begin with breaking news. The president-elect will not pursue any investigations into Hillary Clinton. They're good people. I don't want to hurt them. Quote, I don't want to hurt the Clintons. I really don't. She went through a lot and suffered greatly. He doesn't wish to pursue these charges. If Donald Trump can help her heal, then perhaps that's a good thing. He needs to heal the rule of law, and he needs to forget about healing Hillary Clinton. It would be at odds with the promises to drain the swamp that President-elect Trump made, promises which helped him win office. No, talk No, forget it. That plays great before the election. No, we don't care, right? I was very honored, very, very honored when I heard that President Bill Clinton and Secretary Hillary Clinton was coming today. And I'd like you to stand up. 
respect for those two people. We all want the same thing. We're all good people. We call her beautiful Hillary now because, you know, that one's over with. Isn't that great? That's great. That's fantastic. And it just shows, once again, you don't have to believe that Hillary should have been locked up, but that's what he was telling his voters, the people who voted for him. And if you spoke to these voters, and I did, because I was very involved in that campaign on the Bernie Sanders side, they said one of the major reasons they were voting for him was because he was going to lock up Hillary or, you know, look into it. As he said, the president can't just lock someone up, but they can have their Department of Justice, as Biden has done uh, for, for, for uh, Trump, uh, look into things. He never did. And just two weeks later, just two weeks later, he said that was a campaign thing. That was a campaign thing. So drain the swamp was also just a campaign thing. Make Mexico pay for the wall was also just a campaign thing. Make America great again was really just a campaign thing. We don't have to worry about that now because Donald Trump is a liar. Look, this this comes down to Donald Trump's word means shit. It means absolutely nothing. It means zilch. It means nada. And the guy has been this way since his earliest days in the 70s in New York real estate. You talk to real estate people, you talk to people in his business, and they say the same thing. He could not be trusted. His word meant nothing. He didn't pay his bills. He went bankrupt several times. So as I've said with his criminal behavior, he was a crook when he was in the real estate business. You don't just stop being a crook when you gain more power. You become more of a crook because you're more emboldened to be a crook. And so the crook Donald Trump businessman became the crook Donald Trump the president. The the, the person who could not be trusted, whose word meant nothing in business, Donald Trump, the same thing followed him in politics. He's a liar. Nothing he says is true. It's all bullshit. It's all for him. It's all for him to win. And now the stakes are bigger for him. Now it's for him to stay out of jail. Okay? That's the the point now. He wants to stay out of jail. So he needs to raise money for his criminal defense. That's what he's doing. Look, we have to be able, we have to have some ability to see through people. And this is not like a clairvoyant thing. It's not like I'm, I'm some kind of a clairvoyant genius. Just look at the facts. Just look at what people say compared to what they do. Look at what they say compared to what they do. I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's amazing that anyone has still sticks with this guy, let alone millions of people sticking with this guy. And they will make excuse for him after excuse for him after excuse for him, right? Someone else lies, they call them on it. He lies, well, he had to do it for this reason. Someone else like Biden doesn't want to debate. He's, he's, he's hiding in his basement because he's got dementia, and that proves he shouldn't be president. You don't debate. As, as Donald Trump's surrogates and Donald Trump himself said, if you can't debate, you can't be president. Now, he doesn't want to debate. Well, he's ahead in the polls. He doesn't have to. You see... <laughs> that's what a cult does. The cult leader can do no wrong. And eventually, it always happens in a cult. 
a cult leader will tell you, take this poison, drink this poison. Now, usually when does that happen? When things are going bad, when the government's about to get them, right? When the heat's coming down on them, that's when it happens. And the cult leader makes it clear, we must do this. It's, it's our only choice now is to take the poison and all go away together and not have to deal with this horrible world that we have to face. What's the horrible world they have to face? They're going to jail. The cult leader is going to go to jail. See, that's, it's the same thing with every cult, baby. Whether it's this one, Manson, Koresh, it's the cult leader is going to go to jail. The people in the cult, unless they're very high up, we saw that with Manson, they're not going to go to jail. But the cult leader is going to go to jail. And so the cult leader convinces the cult members that they all have to die. And they do it always. And so that's how this will end too. I don't know, by the way, if it's a figurative or literal death here. I don't know. I'm not sure. I certainly hope it's just figurative, but I can't promise you that. I don't know what these people are going to do when this ship really finally sinks. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to do nothing? Are they going to hurt themselves? Are they going to hurt others? That happens with cults too, right? We see that. People got killed. Uh, one of our Congress people here in California, Jackie Spears, got shot, right? Uh, we see that with the, with the Koresh thing, with the fighting back. So it's usually not just, you know, we go away. We take as people as we can with us, right? So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh I can't tell you how the story ends, but I do know how every cult does end, and it's not good. And that usually happens when the cult leader knows all is lost for them. And we're getting closer to that day by day, day by day, day by day. In fact, you're hearing people talking about civil war, right? If, if, if Trump has to drop out or if Trump goes to jail, even worse, right, that there's going to be some kind of a civil war. My hope is, and once again, I can't promise this, is that his hold on these cult people is not as strong as the, as the traditional cults we have seen in the past. And that they'll just go away with a, with a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just basically with uh, a frown and disappointment and a thud. That's what I'm looking for, a thud. They'll go away with a thud. But I don't know if that's gonna happen. It'll be best for the country, but I can't, I can't really promise that's gonna happen. Uh, DeSantis, let's talk about the positive side of this whole thing. DeSantis campaign boasts endorsements uh, and the latest poll number. I don't really like to talk about polls. Like I said, I don't like to be a hypocrite. So when the polls show Trump up by 40, I don't believe him. And if they show DeSantis up, I don't, I don't necessarily believe them either. It makes more sense to me because of what's going on on the ground. But these, it's too early to care about these things. I'll, how many times do I have to remind everybody? Just the last election cycle, this time in 2019, much later, in fact, early in 2020, Bernie Sanders was like 98%. 
right? Nate Silver was giving him a 98% chance winning that primary. So it, it's it, it's way too early. This time in 2015, Ted Cruz not was was remember wait Jeb Bush was leading. Donald Trump was at one percent. Donald Trump was number thirteen in the list of candidates this time in 2015. So polls, even if they're accurate this early, don't mean anything. Okay, but what does mean something to me are endorsements, word on the ground, and money being raised, especially from the big donors who are not going to just throw their money at someone to keep them out of jail, okay? The people with money are not going to do that. They didn't get the money they have by throwing it out the window. So they're not going to, they, they're going to put their money behind who they think is going to win, right? Not to keep a guy out of jail. That's called charity. And wealthy people don't necessarily do that too often, especially when it comes to political campaigns, right? They're not charities to these people. They want to back a winner. So that money, where's that money going? So DeSantis says he's received a uh, 40 endorsements now, and it's historic this early from state legislators and has a total of 120 county-level chairs supporting him, at least one in each of the state's 99 counties. That's the most of any candidate in the race. The Florida governor, just months away, five months away from Iowa Caucus Day, also has more than 10,000 Iowans committed to caucus for him, representing already a fifth of the total Iowans who caucus for former presidential candidate Ted Cruz when, two, when Cruz won the Iowa caucuses in 2016. It's not just that promises are being made or that big ideas are being brought to the table. Those are a big part of it, don't get me wrong. But it's also the fact that he can point back to what he's accomplished in the state of Florida, which is very similar to what we've been doing in Iowa, said State Representative Matt Winschittle, who endorsed the Senate this months ago, told Fox News Digital on Monday. There's almost a mirror reflection in the underlying policies. The governor has said, here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to stop until we get it done. I'm not going to back down. He's been able to accomplish that. He's on a 99-county tour, and he's hit about 38 of them uh, so far. Uh, so... It's, it's the endorsements are great, but another big part of this, this is something that actually uh, Steve Kornacki on, on MSNBC, who breaks this stuff down better than anybody else, depicted, even though more than $20 million has been spent against DeSantis and attack ads, right? He's still viewed as favorable by two thirds of likely caucus goers, the highest favorability of any candidate in the field, according to a new Des Moines Register poll. So once again, it's very early, but even with all of that money spent against him, he still has 66% favorability, only 29% unfavorable. That's just slightly better than Trump, but he has not spent the kind of money attacking Trump, the way Trump has attacking him yet, yet. So the, the numbers are looking good. Yes, yes, okay. But the endorsements are important. And where is the big money going? Donald Trump is going to have his cult who can't afford to, like, buy McDonald's for their families for the night 
to eat dinner, giving him money for his defense. That's very sad. I kind of make fun of people sometimes, but that's the truth, though. And that's very sad. There are plenty of people giving Donald Trump money for his defense fund, whether they know it or not, who, you know, can't afford a vacation, can't afford to take their kids on a vacation, maybe can't afford a dinner. That's how sad this is. They're giving their last dollar that they don't even have to this guy. So that they're always going to be those people, unfortunately. But where are the big money people? Where does, where's the smart money going? And we're seeing a lot of cases now where former Trump donors, people who gave money to Trump in 16 and 20, are now giving their money to DeSantis. In a clear switch, they understand. These people are professionals. They're not in a cult. And they understand that DeSantis has a much better chance of beating Joe Biden than Donald Trump, and it's not even close. And on top of everything, they don't know when the last shoe's going to drop, when another shoe's going to drop. So now, this will transition me into something else. The idea, which is being bandied about, which may end up in the courts, that Donald Trump can't run, that he's already disqualified for inciting a riot and doesn't have to be proven in a court of law. I believe it's the 14th Amendment. But on top of that, now you have people like the hair gel king of California, Gavin Newsom, saying that he wants his legislature to make it a law to keep Trump off the ballot next year. And that Democrat states, states with Democrat governors, Democrat secretaries of state, will be able to do that, will be able to keep him off the ballot to where he can't even mathematically get to 270 electoral votes, which is part of the Democrats' plan that the Trump cult can't see. The major donors can see it, but the Trump cult doesn't understand that they want Trump to win the primary and then be wrapped up not only in these court cases, his indictments, but also courts when it comes to being on the ballot and that these Democrat states will have the right to keep him off. And then a Republican, then he can't win. Then he mathematically can't win. And the election goes to Biden by default. Now, would that go to the Supreme Court? Without a doubt. Is it Trump's court? Yeah. But you don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know if the Supreme Court has the, has the right to tell the states what to do. It, have to, it will probably have to go to the to highest court in each state. And if they're Democrat states and they're liberal judges, he's out. But even in the tight election, which it would be because they all are these days, one or two states that are able to keep him off could kill it for him. So all of the stuff, the big donors see this. They understand this. This is a, a, a trap that the Democrats have set which is we're going to push him over, we're going to try to push him over the finish line. This is what I said when DeSantis first got in this. He's going to have to run against Donald Trump. He's going to have to run against Vivek Ramaswamy. He's going to have to run against all these grifters. He's going to have to run against the left-wing media. He's going to have to run against Fox News. I said this. He knows it. He's got it. But this is what's happening. They want to put him, push him over the finish line. And then Trump can't win. And so the big donors are thinking, would you, would you, would you spend two, three, four, five, ten million of your money on this guy, on Trump? Of course not. 
Of course not. These are smart business people. And they're not going to just waste their money like that. So they're putting it on DeSantis. Look, I said this on my last show. This is a great litmus test. I might even say this at this Republican Party watch party. Uh, This is a great litmus test for the Republican Party. It's fantastic, in fact. Are they a party of the Trump cult or are they a party of normal people? We shall see if Trump makes it to the still not a certain thing that he's even going to make it to the beginning of the voting five months from now. But if he does, we will then see what is this party? If it's mostly a party of the Trump cult, then they deserve President Kamala Harris, which is what they will get. Absolutely. Whether it's January 20th, 2025 or sometime between 2025 and 2029, they will get President Kamala Harris. So that but they'll they'll have to own that. They'll deserve that. And they'll prove themselves once again. Look, I have the the I know the the party chair of the San Francisco GOP party chair, John Dennis, who's been on my show two or three times, and I'll have one again soon to talk about the race. I know he would like he wants to try to get as many people here in San Francisco to register Republican as possible. That's his job as the head of the SFGOP. And I've I've said a million times I'm an independent. I I'm an, I'm registered no party preference. I'm not going to join the party of Donald Trump. So I'm going to remain independent. And let's see how this plays out because as independent I can vote in either primary here. I don't have to be registered Democrat. Republicans, I'm going to stay independent. I'm not going to I'm not going to join the party of Donald Trump. I'm not going to join the party of a cult of of, of wackos, of of listless vessels. I'm not going to do that. I mean I left the Democratic Party for a lot of those reasons. I'm not doing this. So we shall see. We shall see. Maybe if it's the party of normal people, if the Trump cult is a very small but loud minority, that's fine. And maybe I will register Republican. But as of right now, no. I want to see where this party is going. This is a this might be the best litmus test for any major party in a very long time. Yeah, we talked about this in 2016, right, when I was a Bernie supporter with Bernie and Hillary in 2020 again with Bernie and Biden. But I think this litmus test is much more important because as much as I dislike Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, I cannot put them on the level or their supporters on the level of Donald Trump and his cult. This is a particular kind of of, of festering cancer, which is very dangerous and dumb, dumb and dangerous. And I want to see, so this this litmus test I think is even more important than the last two that the Democratic Party, and by the way, I left the Democratic Party. They they failed those tests. So I'm not a Democrat anymore. So I'm certainly, you know, not going to become a Trump Republican. It's not happening. It's not happening. And I think I lied to everyone, but I didn't really lie. Look, we evolve. Isn't Isn't that Hillary's word, evolve? You don't have to tell the truth. You can just evolve. But we do evolve in certain ways. And I had said months ago that if uh, if it was Trump versus Biden, I would I would do the lesser of two evils thing and, and vote for Trump. But I, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. I won't vote for Joe Biden 
or Gavin Newsom or Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg, but I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. So I would not vote. So that I've changed my mind on that. I've changed my mind on that. Yeah, people say, oh, there you go, you DeSantis voter. You, you, you're not loyal. No, I'm not loyal to Donald Trump because Trump is not loyal to anyone else. So why should I be loyal? Why, why should I be one of those morons, those mooks, who are loyal to Trump when he doesn't have to have any loyalty in return? He shows zero loyalty in return. Therefore, I don't have to be loyal to him. He doesn't want to sign a loyalty pledge. I'm not signing the loyalty pledge. Fuck him. It's not a one-way street. Not a one-way street. So it is DeSantis or bust for me, just as it was Bernie or bust the last two elections for me. Eventually, I got to be right, right? Eventually, I have to be supporting the winner, right? My horse has to win eventually. But I do have a tendency to support the underdog uh, in a race. And that's what I've done the last few election cycles is I've, I think the last favorite I supported was Obama. But since then, it's been all underdogs. And when you take on the underdog, you're going to lose most of the time, right? Those of you who bet know that if you bet the underdog every race, you ain't going to win many races. But when you do, you hit the jackpot. So that's what we're looking for here. Uh, Iowa voters are praising, are praising Ron DeSantis. Uh, and they're also very pissed. The Iowa Republican Party, head by their, their uh, governor, Daniels, uh, very pissed that Trump is not doing any campaigning, that he's skipping the debate. Uh, they're upset. And they have a right to be upset because when it comes to this kind of uh, primary process we have here, people want, people in Iowa and New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina, they want you to show up. That's the whole idea of this. This Iowa thing is a little weird. The Iowa and New Hampshire thing, let's face it, is a little weird that we highlight these two very small, very white states all the time as being the catalyst. In fact, I think uh, for the majority of the times, I have to look back, but I believe off the top of my head, I believe the majority of candidates that win Iowa be, win the nomination, right? So it's really important, right? So it's just the way it is. I mean, they look forward to this, these people. Look, what else is there to do in Iowa? Nothing. For three years, you have nothing to do. Then come year four, the presidential election year, and it's a big deal, right? So they look forward to this. They look forward to getting out, you know, that the groundhog is every year, the Iowans is once every four years. They look forward to getting out and meeting these candidates and going to these town halls and these diners and gymnasiums and talking to them and shaking hands and going to fairs and eating corn the cob. This is what they look forward to. This is their thing. And if you don't show up, they notice it. So they're really pissed that he's not doing debates, that he's not campaigning, that he spent 40 minutes at the Iowa fair looking miserable for each of the 40 minutes, they are not very happy. That's the word on the ground and it makes sense. And it makes sense. So DeSantis embarked on a nonstop campaign swing around Iowa on Thursday and Friday and lead up to his Saturday appearance at one of the state's political events. This was a week ago, the Iowa State Fair. He shook hands, took questions, posed for photos during the trip. 
The Florida governor has faced scrutiny in recent months for a struggle to connect with voters, and videos of DeSantis having awkward interactions are prone to going viral. But Iowans who came out to size him up were positive about his performance because all that stuff about him being awkward was all bullshit. That was all spin put out by the Trump campaign, picked up by the media. Because the people who actually meet him say that's not the case at all. So that's good. In a way, it sets the standard low, right? And then people are pleasantly surprised that he's really good at this. Prior to DeSantis' speech at a restaurant in Atlantic, retired teacher Kathy Hansen said she's unsure about his retail skills. Afterward, it seemed like he may have changed her mind. I feel like he'd be just the best for all of us, said Hansen, who backed Trump last time. There's all kinds of different people here, and he was very warm with everyone. It's welcome praise for DeSantis, who's betting big on Iowa. The governor expects to win the first in the nation caucuses. And it's very big. We know I'm seeing a lot of support that I didn't know was there, said Gene Hardesty of Greenfield, who came to see DeSantis speak at the Menlo Freedom Rock. What the hell is that? When it comes to worries about DeSantis' ability to connect, Hardesty said it is par for the course. Everybody has people criticized them. A day earlier, DeSantis noted in a Tipton restaurant he'd already visited more than two dozen counties and plans to make it to old 99, something that politicals call a full grassley. And another GOP Senator Chuck Grassley, who has represented Iowa since 81. The event was put on by, by the Never Back Down Super PAC, which hosted DeSantis on a bus tour around the Hawkeye State. Super PAC staff ushered the press out of the Tipton family restaurant six minutes after DeSantis arrived, while he stayed inside and talked to patrons without cameras. The Super PAC took similar efforts to move the press away from DeSantis 10 minutes after he began speaking with voters at a Waspies, at Waspies truck stop in Audubon on Friday. His performance at Waspies impressed even one Democrat who was there. I think he did really well with connecting with them, said Anna Galvin, a nurse and coffee shop manager who lives in Audubon. She's a Democrat who supported Biden last time, but not enthusiastically and still hasn't decided who she's going to back next year. I'm generally leading towards Democrat or liberal. So interesting to see him talk about different gender policies and discrimination that he's outwardly backing behind that, Galvin said. Still, it wasn't all smooth sailing. Campaigning in the aisles of the truck stop, the Florida governor appeared to wipe his nose before touching a man's hat and shaking his hand. And DeSantis' first campaign stop on the morning on Friday was derailed by a pair of pro-abortion protesters with a cowbell and a megaphone. They called DeSantis names like putting fingers and racist fascists and demanded he go back to Florida where, where, when his super PAC campaign bus arrived at the event. <clears throat> so there were some protesters. It's not a big deal. Who cares? Uh, DeSantis was signed a six-week abortion ban, so this goes more into his policies. Uh, Four promising good years. And the top of the Atlantic, Louise Fredrickson of Indianapolis asked DeSantis how he'll talk about abortion to independent women who are leaning towards Democrats. The governor said he'll speak from the heart about what he believes. Fredrickson was impressed with that. I was personally surprised. You hear how he doesn't connect. I thought he connected beautifully, Fredrickson said. She backed Trump last election cycle and is currently undecided. So you see, these people want this, right? You have to be able to like go look people in the eye. Look, it's the old saying, right? Shake babies and kiss hands. I mean, uh, kiss babies and shake hands. So a little bit of insight here, and I'm going to be truthful. Unlike Biden, who I'll talk about in a minute, who went to Hawaii and lied totally about his house like burning down when it never happened to try to connect with people and to try to make analogies, I'm going to make one that I think is truthful. And that's when I ran for Congress, 
in 2006, seems like a lifetime ago, 2006 in Arizona. Arizona is not, you know, if you run for Congress in San Francisco or Manhattan, you can take the subway everywhere, right? You can cover the whole city in a day or so. Not the case in, in these rural congressional districts in, in states like Arizona, the district I was running in was about two thirds of the state. So it was about 500, 600 miles. So it was a lot of driving around. It was driving around the whole state. It was meeting people in all different counties, all different kinds of people, white, black, Native American, conservative, liberal, independent. And so you had to go to all these events, right? Except of course, you would have to drive hours to go to an event. Then I'd have to sleep over in a hotel and then go to the event and drive back. And that is not easy. It's not easy to go to all these events where you immediately need to connect. Okay, you immediately need to to be able to meet people. So if there's any kind of reservation, hesitation, or shyness, you got to get over it fast, or people get turned off. They want. They think you you don't care, right? And that might not be the case at all. Now in normal life, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if someone doesn't think you care. Fuck them, who cares? Not when it comes to getting votes, right? So you have to go to all these events. And I found it very odd. You know, you're meeting people you've never, you don't know, right? They, you know nothing about them. They know very little about you. And you're trying to connect, right? And you're trying to say, okay, this is what I believe. And they'll ask you questions sometimes. Some people just simply want to meet you, shake your hand, have a firm handshake, look you in the eye, and they feel better, right? Some people ask you questions or give you about an issue, whatever it may be. Remember now, you could have five people standing around you and they all have a different opinion, but you have to give your opinion. And then what will you get? You'll get someone of those five, if not all of them saying, oh, that's, no, that's not what we believe. This is what we believe. And then what do you do? Do you say, do you then hedge your bets and go, well, oh, maybe you're right. Not, not really. You really want to stick with your guns the way DeSantis does, stick by your guns even if people don't agree and talk from the heart. Like DeSantis said, I found that's the only way I can do it. And if people couldn't deal with the honesty, then too bad. Right? So that's, but not every politician's like that. I was like that. DeSantis seems to be like that, but not everyone's like that. There are a lot of politicians who will just say what you want to hear. Right. Or, you know, Let's say I believe in a six-week abortion ban, right, like, like DeSantis, and I'm standing around a bunch of people. Maybe one of them agrees with me. The other four don't. They all have different views, right? No, no, no abortion ban or 12 weeks, 16 weeks. What a fake politician will do is he'll give each one of them the answer they want to hear, right? Oh, I'd consider that. Oh, that's a good point. No, that's not what you do if you're an honest broker. You say, this is what I believe because I believe in this because of A, B, C, and D. And what you'll find if you do that enough is enough people where they agree with you or not, like that liberal Democrat woman, will like you because you're honest and not just blowing smoke up their ass. There'll be some who want you to blow smoke up their ass, who can't take honesty. They think they do, but they don't really want honesty. They want you to say what they want you to say. Those people are always going to be there, but you have to discount them. And so this is not easy, this whole idea of going to these events and especially if you're not used to that, right? I don't know what Ron DeSantis is used to, but I was from New York. 
So what the fuck's a county fair? I know a fucking county fair. I knew a block party. I know what county fairs were, right? Where these people, they, they come there with their kids and they rides and they corn the cob and they turkey legs in their hands like the Renaissance Festival. I, you know, it's like, and they have these things. You have to go to, in, in, in Arizona, to go to Native American reservations, right? What, what does a guy from Brooklyn know about a fucking Native American reservation? So you have to kind of assimilate, right? And, and, and try to, and everyone's going to have these problems, right? At some point, maybe you're used to the rural life, then you have to deal with people in the big city and you don't know anything about big cities and you feel uncomfortable in the big city. But if you're running for president, you got to find yourself a comfort zone everywhere, right? So people don't understand. And until I ran for office, I didn't understand either how difficult this is. Retail campaigning is difficult, which is why someone like Donald Trump doesn't want to bother. He doesn't want to bother because he's really not in this to win votes. He's in this to get as much money as possible for as long as possible to try to stay out of jail. And now there are reports. And I don't think this is, you know, I don't think this is a conspiracy theory. When you see he's 77 and he's in bad health, that he has some kind of congestive heart issue. And that's a big reason why he can't spend hours on the ground doing a DeSantis and the rest of them do, why he's not doing debates, uh, why he's not doing as many rallies as he used to. I'd say it's because his support has dwindled also, but I, this could be the case also, right, that he has these health issues. So to do you think he really wants to be president for another four years and deal with the pressures of being president of the United States? I don't think so. I don't think he really wants this. And I think he really just wants as much money. And he's such an ego, he can't let anyone else, he can't just give it to someone else, right? So, especially someone like DeSantis, who dare run against him. How dare he run against him? And of course, the best thing for Trump would be if everyone would just drop out, then he can get more money, right? Because all the money would have to go to him. Right? Come on. It's so easy to see through this, this scumbag. He wants everyone out as soon as possible so he can make more money for his defense fund. He knows he can't win a general election. He knows that. He might be crazy. He might be a sociopath. He might have a huge ego, but he's not that dumb. He knows he can't win a general election. But it doesn't matter. He wants to be able to raise money until November 8th, whatever November it is of 2024, right? And if everyone drops out, the donors will have nowhere else to go but him. And more money he makes for his defense fund. So he needs these fake polls. He needs to have the media pushing these fake polls to try to put some kind of pressure on people to drop out. It's not going to work with DeSantis. It hasn't worked with anyone yet, even the lesser candidates. So, but this is what he wants, right? That's what's best for, not the Republican Party. Not you, not me, not the world. That's what's best for Donald Trump. Donald Trump never cared about that. He's a Democrat. He doesn't care about the fucking Republican Party. He could shit on the Republican Party. He doesn't care. He's been a lifelong Democrat who found an opening in the, to, to develop a cult within the Republican base because the Democrat base would never be his cult. He knew that. 
Remember, great friends with Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton. Great friends. Hang out all the time. Him and Epstein and Bill. All the time. So this is all a game for Donald Trump. It always has. Look, he didn't think he'd win the first time. He didn't think he'd win the first time. He thought he would just spin it off into another reality show after Hillary won. Right? Maybe he'd make a decent showing and be able to say that he made a decent showing against the powerful Clinton machine and spin it off and have a nice reality show, which would have been better for him in the long run because none of these indictments would have happened. Nothing. If Donald Trump had lost in 2016, he would have rolled off into the sunset for the rest of his life doing reality shows. No one would have cared about anything. And none of this would have happened. 2020 wouldn't have happened. The election stuff wouldn't have happened. So the worst thing that happened to Donald Trump was being president for four years. The worst thing that happened. And remember, his election fraud bullshit was once again all about him. Staying in the spotlight. Can't lose. Isn't that amazing? Not really wanting a job. Not really wanting to win, but you can't lose. Think about that kind of a mindset. I don't really want to win, but I can't lose. Not to her, not to Biden. It's a, it's a really bizarre dynamic. It's a really bizarre dynamic. Cowardice can. Let me see this article written by. Yeah. <laughs> well, Democrats. <clears throat> by Donald blasted them for skip. Yeah, this is what happened. The same surrogates for Trump, the Byron Donalds, the uh, <clears throat> Kerry Lakes, they blasted Democrats for skipping debates before covering for Trump now. Right? So these same people criticized people like Joe Biden and other Democrats for not being able to debate. But now that Trump doesn't want to debate, they cover for him. In fact, they want to be his surrogates at the debate, like he's disabled, like he's crippled. Last August, Byron Donalds criticized John Fetterman for not agreeing to debate Mehmet Oz. I pray that Fetterman fully recovers from his health issues, but is he really refusing to debate Dr. Oz? Pennsylvania voters deserve to see debates. The debate of ideas is part of the job, opined Donalds. That was from Byron Donalds. Kerry Lake was even more incensed. Remember, Katie Hobbs wouldn't debate her, and I criticized Katie Hobbs for that. Bullshit. But Carrie Lake at the time was criticizing her for not debating. She keeps giving excuses for not wanting to appear on stage and lay out her plan for Arizona. We have far too many issues facing our state right now to have a weak, cowardice candidate win and make it to the governor's mansion. But, of course, now that Trump is not skipping debates, both Donalds and Lake have changed their tune. He's moved on to the general election is focused on defeating Joe Biden. It's time for the GOP to do the same, said Lake. Therefore, he won't be doing any debates. Meanwhile, Donalds is reportedly planning on joining Lake. On, well, we know that's not happening now because Fox is not allowing it. So these people are so utterly full of shit. They're so full of crap. Once again, it's almost, it's almost like taking candy from a baby. I feel bad for pointing out what hypocrites these people are, because it's so fucking obvious what hypocrites they are. 
all of his surrogates blasted others for not debating. He debasted Hillary. He blasted Biden for hiding. They've all blasted Joe Biden for not debating RFK Jr. And Joe Biden is president of the United States, the incumbent, and his 40 points ahead in polls. They're so full of crap, these people. But think of how low you have to be. How low are these people? How, how, how vile are they to cover for this thing? Who are they, what are they covering for? What are they covering for? Is he good looking? Is he young? Is he brilliant? What is he that they cover for this thing? Look, they're not doing it for him. No one cares about it. Look, he could die tomorrow, and these people aren't going to shed a tear. Trust me. Trust me. He could die tomorrow, and Carrie Lake and Donalds wouldn't shed a tear. In fact, they'd probably make fun of him. They do it for his cult. They want his cult on their side. They want his votes. They don't want to be primaried by his crazy cult. They do it for the cult. They do it for the following, like Farmer Swami's doing. He wants sloppy seconds. When Trump drops out, he wants Trump's voters. He wants Trump's blessing. So he kisses his ass. People like Donald Trump don't have real friends. They have people who really care about them. I'm not saying his kids don't. Maybe his kids do because he's a father. But these people who aren't family, they don't give a shit about Donald Trump. Why? Because Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about them. And he he drops them at the at the slightest the slightest opening, he drops them if he wants to. They know that. They know that. They fear his base. They don't respect him. That's why they do this. But I think they're thinking his base is bigger than it is. Maybe all those rallies from 2016 and 2020 has gotten them to believe that these people are more powerful than they really are. So they're selling their souls for nothing, right? They're literally selling their souls for nothing. They don't care about him. They don't think he's smart. They don't think he can win. They know all this stuff. Look, this is a guy who already lost to Joe Biden. He already lost to mentally disabled Joe Biden. He already got killed by independence against Joe Biden without four indictments and counting hanging over his head. These people know independents aren't going to now vote for him. They know that. They know he's not going to beat Joe Biden now when he couldn't last time. They know this. It's all selfish reasons. So this is the thing about Trump. Everyone, him, everyone around him, everyone who supports him, it's all selfish. They don't care about him. They don't care about the party. They don't care about the country. They care about themselves. And that's it. That's why they can say these things before Trump, right? They can criticize these other people. And rightfully so. I criticized Fetterman. I criticized uh, Dobbs. And now they can just do a total reversal and cover for him. Because they are so desperate for his base. They're so desperate <clears throat> for the support of his cult. They're afraid to, to 
to act out against them. They're afraid to do the right thing. And they know it's right there. They know we have these receipts and they don't care. They'll just make the excuses. You know, there's, there's more. We can talk about Trump till the cows come home. There's the ridiculous idea to wait until 2026 to prepare for the trial. And Jack Smith has torpedoed that whole thing. Um, Trump, once again, as he always does, just twists the facts around to make his own facts. And a big part of that is uh, is the idea that it takes so long to get ready for a trial. And his, his, his lawyers have presented this ridiculous theory that it usually takes this amount of years to prepare for a trial, but it doesn't. It takes that amount of time from the start of investigation. Jack Smith pointed this out. It doesn't take three years to prepare for a trial after indictment. It does, it's not three years between indictment and trial. That's not the average. The average is when you start investigating something like this till the time you get an outcome one way or the other is about three years. You see, that's how Trump alienates the facts and twists the facts. And they came with this 2026 date, which, of course, Jack Smith had laughed at and the judge will laugh at also. So that's that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Uh, on the other Let's let's remember the documents, the classified documents. We haven't talked about those in a while. Um, one expert says it's not going to be tough to convict Trump on that after the Meadows thing. Securing conviction for Trump in the Mar-a-Lago documents case is not going to be difficult following new revelations about Mark Meadows, according to legal analyst Glenn Kirshner. ABC News reported on Sunday that Meadows, Trump's former White House chief of staff, had told the DOJ, Jack Smith, that he had never been aware of any standing order from the former president to broadly declassify documents taken from the Oval Office. This is the claim that's been one of Trump's key defenses against allegations that he mishandled classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida after the end of his presidency some of which were later determined to contain really sensitive defense information. In June, a federal grand jury voted to indict Trump on, remember, 37 charges stemming from the DOJ and Smith's investigation into the case. Among them, 31 of the charges were for willfully retaining classified materials in violation of the Espionage Act. So Kirshner said, um, that the new revelations about how Meadows has been cooperating with investigators show that prosecutors will be able to call exclusively Republican witnesses against Trump at this trial. Thus, he added, that makes it harder to miss the case as a Democrat-led witch hunt and make it easier to secure conviction in the end. <clears throat> this highlights the importance... <clears throat> Sorry, I'm going to frog in my throat. This highlights the importance of the fact that the trial witnesses of Donald Trump when prosecutors can finally drag Trump and his defense lawyers into court before a jury, the trial witnesses are going to be exclusively Republicans, Kirchner said. Meadows will testify, assuming he's in a position to testify, rather than being prosecuted and sitting at the defense counsel table. So they're going to make him testify. He continued, I have said all along that it was taking a very long time to indict these cases, but once they're actually on trial, standing before 12 citizen members of the community, they decide based only on the evidence, not on press releases, tweets, or POTUS, what Donald Trump did or didn't do. It's not going to be that difficult. 
hold them accountable and win convictions. So remember, Meadows is also actually indicted in the January 6th case in Georgia, right? So Meadows is going to turn on Trump. They don't want Meadows. Who cares about Meadows? He's going to turn on Trump. He's got Trump on the Mar-a-Lago thing, and he'll get Trump, help get Trump on the January 6th stuff in Georgia. And once again, as I said, it's all Republicans that are going to testify against Trump, including his former chief of staff. So how do you get a Democrat wish hunt out of that? You don't. This is all, I'm not saying that Meadows is doing it to get revenge on Trump or he wants to, but this is all part and parcel of what I'm saying. When you're a scumbag and you constantly step on people and spit on them and you're not loyal to them and it's all about you, it comes and bites you in the ass. Because if he had, if all these people actually liked him, respected him, loved him, it might be tougher to get them to turn on him, to turn state's evidence against him. But now they'll do it gladly because Donald Trump doesn't have anybody that likes him, doesn't have anybody who wants to be loyal to him, doesn't have anybody who loves him. And this is what happens. This is a good lesson, folks. Be nice to people. Don't make it all about yourself. Help someone else out from time to time in life. Because you'll get it on the backside from those people. And he's getting it all right on the backside, getting a good swift kick in the ass. From these people who he's always treated like shit and never, ever liked him. Ever. And don't care that he's going to go to jail at 80 years old. They don't care. Isn't that sad? No one's going to care except maybe his family, maybe, that he's going to go to jail at 80 and spend the rest of his life in jail. Here's an article about, as I've been saying, Trump can't win, okay? He just can't win. So Republican Andrew McCarthy, a former federal prosecutor, has warned the GOP that the party's bound to lose everything if Trump wins the primary. Burning on Twitter on Sunday, McCarthy, who has formerly served as attorney for Giuliani, said, very simple, Trump can't win. 65% are already against him. That's before Dems launch a barrage after getting him nominated. If we finally grasp that, his support will collapse. If not, we lose everything. And Dems use majorities to remake the court. Nominate him if you want, but that's reality. McCarthy's likely referring to a recent ABC poll which showed that two out of every three Americans um, said they probably wouldn't or definitely wouldn't vote for him in a general election. Trump was facing major legal troubles after being hit by four separate indictments since the beginning of the year, still leads Republican primary polls by a wide margin. If you believe them, I don't. Um, McCarthy, who served as the Assistant Attorney General of the Southern District of New York since 86 and left in 03, is now a columnist for National Review. Answering questions from ex-users who commented on his original post on the social media platform, McCarthy said he could not bring himself to vote for Trump. I thought he should have been convicted at the impeachment trial, he wrote. That means he should have been disqualified. Personally, I couldn't vote for him, but that's irrelevant because he can't win. His candidacy would mean Dems crush us at least two catastrophic years after that. It's not just him. It's not just him. There are many Republicans who know, let's put it this way, all Republicans know he can't win. If they're backing him, like Kerry Lake and Donalds, is for purely 
personal selfish reasons, as I pointed out. But every Democrat, every Republican, I should say, to a man, to a woman knows he cannot, he has no chance to win a general election. So once again, we will see, is this party a party of the Trump cult? Or is this party a party of sane thinking people who actually want to win next November? Actually think it's important that we have a President DeSantis or we do not have a President Kamala Harris. We'll see. We shall see. But I ain't going to be part of any party that nominates Donald Trump for president. If they if they if the Republicans haven't taken the stems to eradicate these people from their party. What Republicans should have done, what the RNC should have done is made it impossible for Trump to run. We know they can do it because the parties run the primaries, right? Didn't the Democrats say that it's not a it's not democracy. The primaries, they run it. It's like a convention. So we know the RNC could have done more to make it tougher for Trump to run, but they didn't do that. They didn't do what God God knows the Democratic Party did that to Bernie Sanders twice, a a legitimate guy who's not a crook, who has ideas you might agree and disagree with. I disagree with a lot of them now, but, you know, have ideas that he thinks can help the country, right? So the Republicans could have made it tougher, right? They could have. They could be making this a lot tougher for Trump. They're basically just standing back. I'm all for, in general, a party standing back and allowing a fair primary, which Democrats don't do. But in this case, I think it would behoove the Republican Party, if they want to survive, to make it tougher on Trump. And they're not. They're not. They should be more openly criticizing him for not campaigning. They should be openly criticizing him whenever they get a chance. They should be openly criticizing him for not debating and calling out a hypocrite and saying, we, the Republican Party, believe in debates. We believe they should be they should be all out there using their bully pulpit to talk about this hypocrisy with him and not debating and not campaigning. And savagely attacking Ron DeSantis when he loved him up until the minute DeSantis decided He would run against him. He would dare run for president. They should have been going after Trump for all that stuff. For going after the most successful Republican governor of the last four years. They should be going after Trump for that stuff. And they're not. There's another issue I wanted to get to. This is, I wouldn't call it lighter, but I I do want to talk about it. So I thought, maybe someone can correct me, I thought there was a new law now with aviation that said that they could not force you to sit on the runway. They couldn't, they couldn't force passengers to stay in the plane on the runway or a tarmac for more than is it two hours or three hours. I thought that was the law. I wonder if Pete Buttigieg is going to look into this. But Spirit Airlines... And I don't recommend anyone ever take Spirit Airlines because what's the joke? If you take it, you become one. They had their passengers wait on the tarmac for 
12 hours. Now, initially it was seven, which is ridiculously enough. They said the, the flight was supposed to take off at four and at 11 p.m. they were still sitting on that plane. And I think one passenger said that it ended up being 12 hours. I thought this was patently illegal. When asking an average Joe or Josephine, which airline they think is the worst, one company often rises to the top of that discussion. Top of it, Spirit. Frontier is usually right behind them. The too-good-to-be-true low ticket prices of budget airlines like Spirit are often juxtaposed with unfortunate operational issues. TikToker and Spirit customer Linza Macera further confirmed this room with a video that exploded to 12 million views, showing a plane full of angry Spirit customers waiting for their plane to take off for over seven hours. Lindsay starts her video showing disgruntled customers, some standing and fidgety, and some likely doing their best to not internally combust. She narrates, we have 200 passengers on the flight right now. How long have you been waiting? Seven hours, she continues. It's almost 11 p.m., and we've been sitting here since four. She then turns the camera to the cockpit, which is empty, and says, we got delayed, and now there's no pilots to be found and no answer. Lindsay ends the video by exclaiming, don't ride Spirit, they suck. Yeah, no kidding. Spirit Airlines, a budget carrier known for ultra-low cost fares, has earned a reputation as America's worst airline. Despite low prices, the company constantly faces negative attention due to various issues that plague its customer experience. It has an unreliable flight schedule, refund issues, hidden fees, uncomfortable planes, lack of in-flight amenities. Spirit's reputation suffers due to its shortcomings in providing reliable schedules, refunds, so on and so forth. Users in the TikTok comments were unanimous in their assessment. My dad waited 12 hours and it was canceled. Once I was with Spirit and it took 13 hours. Many others said they would demand to get off with one user writing, bro, I would have opened that back door and been gone. Even with all the negativity in the comments, Many users took whatever. Okay, uh, let's hope the seats are comfortable. It turned out to be 12 hours, Lindsay said. Half of a day they made these people wait. So it was supposed to go off at 4 p.m. And they stayed on, on that plane until 4 a.m. Could you imagine? Seriously, can you imagine? I thought this was illegal. I thought there was a new law that said they have up to three hours. They shouldn't even have that long. But after three hours, they have to let the passengers off the plane, go back to the gate. You know why? They don't, they're, not, they're not afraid of the Biden administration. They're not afraid of Pete Buttigieg. What's Buttigieg going to do now? Put another one of his stern statements. This is not right, and we're going to investigate it. Why is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, mayor of a city of eight people, headed the whole fucking transportation bureau? What does he know? Oh, there are three buses in South Bend, Indiana. What the fuck does this guy know about the transportation system? He doesn't. Biden had to put an openly gay guy who, who with a husband and kid. That's what they had to, that's what Biden did. This is what this is what this ridiculous woke politics is doing to us. He had to find a place for the gay presidential candidate. Who, by the way, lied about winning Iowa. Bernie Sanders won Iowa and Bridges had to lie. Remember, remember Pete had that app, that illegal app he was using? It's identity politics.
That's why we have this moron as transportation secretary, identity, politics. So we have a moron as vice president, identity, politics. Yeah, I'm sure they're so frightened of Pete Buttigieg. What are they going to do? What's the Biden administration going to do to them? Nothing. Hey, you're on and let's be heard, Shandai. How hey, are- hey, Mike, I totally agree with you that, um, you know, nobody, nobody should take Spear Airlines because, you know, you know, I, sh- I mean, I would never take it. I mean, people have their rights to take whatever they want. If people want to take the airline, go ahead and take it. Well, you you know, know, I'm not, I'm not going to be telling people not to take it. You know, if they want to take it and they find good things in it, go ahead and, and take it. Well, you it's know? not that cheap. When you look, I've looked into it. I've looked into Spirit. I've looked into Frontier. And it's not as cheap as you think because you're buying just the space. Then you have to actually buy a seat. Then if you're on the plane, you have to buy a ticket to take your luggage on. Then you have to pay to, to you have to pay for, Anything you bring on the plane, how ridiculous is that? So you got to pay. So you pay for your ticket, then you got to pay for your seat, then you got to pay to bring a carry-on, and you got to pay for a luggage you want to stow. Then you got to pay for like a bottle of water. You got to pay for a can of soda. By the time you get through with all these extra fees, it's just as expensive, if not more, hey, than the major airline. Hey, Mike, if you ask me. That's the most ridiculous fucking thing I've ever heard about. Why would they ask you to bring a, pay for a carry-on, pay for all these other fees, pay for all this other stuff? Yeah. Well, that's the how worst you fucking thing people. I've ever heard about. I mean, I'm, I, I would never believe that you got to pay for a carry-on and you got to pay for food and you got to pay for other stuff. And then you got all these things that you paid for. Well, stupidest and, and, thing in the whole damn world. And they're really bad. I know Frontier, especially. They're really yeah, like bad. It's, they have... so, it's so crazy. Like, at least, at least, you know, so, that's why, you know, people want to take Southwest because at least Southwest, you you just got to, you know, you, you just got to pay for, um you know, if you have a, if one, you, you get one carry on and one, uh you know, uh, thing that you can fit under your seat. And then if you want an extra bag, you pay for it. So mm. at least Southwest is a little bit more like, you know, friendly towards their customers. You know, they, they treat their customers well. Spirit, it's, they, they treat their customers poorly. Like nobody, nobody wants to take that airline because how poorly Spirit treat is. I know it's cheap to take Spirit, but nobody cares about cheapness. People care that they want a good airline, people, that they're good flight attendants on it. They treat everybody equally. Nobody wants to take air. They don't care about cheap. Nobody cares about cheap. People want good experience on an airline. People don't want a crappy experience on an airline. <laughs> It's it's all crappy now. Come on. No, but no, but Spear, at least Southwest is not crappy. That's what? why I always take that. Airline Southwest isn't crappy. They I have the worst Southwest. problems lately with the scheduling. Man, they were having all the remember all the cancellations and delays they had. But They've then had why so do many... people? But then, but then why don't then then what's if the Southwest has cancellations? Why are they still taking it? Because everybody uh, says not... Southwest is the, you know they're the the flight attendants treat everybody nicely. Yeah, they're they, nice. They oh, yeah, I've been like on Southwest. They're very they nice. Make, they make you feel like you're you're part of family when Look, you get I on really, Southwest. I haven't found it. I'm glad you like Southwest. I'm not you haven't agreed. Do... You don't agree with me that you feel like family when I, you get I on taken, Southwest. Like I haven't taken a long time. I don't the think flight attendants are really nice. If they do, that's great. I don't know. Really I, nice. I, 
I haven't taken it enough, Shanda. I can't tell you. I have not taken it but enough. But if you take it, let me know. Well, no, I've taken take it a Southwest few times. Airlines, I think I think there's a lot that's stupid about it. I don't like that lining up crap. I want with them Southwest? To, yes, I don't like the lining up. I don't like that cattle so call. You're fine, so, so you're trying to say that you find bad things with Southwest? Yes, there are many bad things with Southwest. You know what's the worst about Southwest? There's no what? first class and there's no food. They give you fucking pretzels. You know, you could, look, it's one thing if I'm flying like for an hour from San Francisco to Vegas. But if I'm flying from San Francisco to New York for six hours, I'm not going to eat fucking 10 cases of pretzels. It's ridiculous. You could buy your own food and bring it. The, at least that's I don't the want thing to. I want to be served on the airline. Is look, you can bring your own. They, they look, allow, they allow no. you to bring your own. You can purchase I, food Of course they allow you to bring. No, they're not going to put you in jail for bringing your own food. You don't need to I know that. If you look, don't this think is, that look, look, look. This is the problem with airlines in general. It's all gone downhill. Why does everything have to get worse? Nothing gets better. They're the days of great service on airplanes where they would have all this wonderful food and it was included. And now you have to pay for every you know, damn little thing. You know what it reminds me of? Reminds you of like the reminds me of the Great Depression of the flight industry. You know, in the Great Depression, everything broke, the stock market crashed, everything. That's yeah. exactly what it's feeling like with the air. It's like the thinking like it's like the Great Depression of the airline industry. That's what it, I summarize it in fewer terms. That's exactly what it's like. Man, look at all these. Look at some of the watch some of the old movies or even that TV show. Remember the TV show they had about Pan Am, the Pan Am Airlines. Look at those stewardesses. They were remember beautiful. The, look, you can't even call them stewardesses anymore. Remember, remember now we have ugly, ugly fat guys. Everybody's but, making everybody's making comical jokes about the Pan Am Airline with the pillow box hats and the beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful. Look at that. Those were the days, my friend. No, we but they're make, but end. but people comedians are making jokes about how the flight attendants used to have pillow box hats and they used to have big tit their tits were hanging out and they were <laughs> What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. No, That's but they're making thing. jokes about the Pan Am and the flight attendants on Pan Am Airlines. I've never taken Pan Am. Oh, um, a but, long time but, ago. but 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 people making co comedic uh, jokes that uh, those flight attendants were so uh, good looking with the uniforms and the hats they were the pillow box hats whatever i don't know if they're pillow box hats but they were something yeah no they were very nice fancy they might have been kind of like that yeah like I pillow think box hats yeah yeah but they're beautiful and yeah. they, they took pride in what they did and they look everything's gone look, look at the process now dude every you know what at the with the airline industry it's gone gung-ho the whole airline industry has gone gung-ho yeah, and and the problem is, and, and this is stupid. not just with the airlines. This is this is a, a a particular thing that's happened over the last few decades. The customer is no longer. It used to be the customer is always right. Now it's not even the customer is always right. Now it's the customer is always wrong. It's a complete one eighty. The customer is always wrong. That's the problem because we don't demand I better. In a restaurant, we it's always the customer is always right. Like. You, if the customer needs help with something, you'll do it. You'll go go and do your to go out of your way and help him. Well, a big problem with the airlines, and this started not with COVID. It got really bad with COVID, but this started with the airline industry started to go down after after nine eleven because they came up with all these draconian measures where you you felt like a prisoner, and if you did anything wrong, if you did if you stood up for yourself, you know, say you're stuck on that airline for seven hours, if you stand up, they arrest you, they call you a domestic terrorist, and they put you on a list where you can't fucking you mean fly Spirit anymore. Airlines? And this all started with nine eleven. Are you talking about this? All started with nine eleven. No, which airline are you saying they'll arrest you? 
Spirit Airlines? All of them. What do you mean? They did arrest people. If you didn't want to, if people didn't wear a mask or they complained, they kick them off and they say you can't fly anymore. You put on that no fly list. No, but was, no, wait a no, minute. I, wait a minute. I understand that people have to wear a mask on a flight, but what happens if you have asthma or breathing issues? You still have to wear the damn mask still. Of course they did. Yes, they made everyone wear them. No, no, that's so stupid. Why you have asthma and you're still asking to wear the mask? Like, what happened if you have breathing issues and you you can't wear a mask? They have to like, you know, like. Well, and too many and too many flight attendants but became really authoritarian assholes. That's, that's my problem. South, that's why if you go in Southwest, I, I bet like if you don't wear a mask, I bet they'll say like. You know that you it's okay, you know, like if you uh, you know, because they're Southwest no, is a friendly no, airline, so no, if you say no, that no. you no, give them that I have no a breathing there's issue, no one. I can't no wear a mask, they'll say, you know, you nope. know, we understand you have no a what are you talking problem. about? Well, you what, don't have to wear a mask. What you're talking about is like a common sense world. That's no, but on Southwest did. it's a friendly airline, so if you tell the flight <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I know. can't wear a mask. No, it's not. It didn't happen that way. Then plenty of people let you not wear a mask because they understand that you have a breathing issue. Not anymore. No, they didn't. They never did. No, but they should. Of course they should. But if you have to wear a mask, you can't wear a mask. They can't force you to wear a mask just because you know you you have a you have asthma. You have a problem. You have a condition. You to you have to tell them that. Where were you during the last three years? They made everyone wear a mask. I didn't take a flight for the last three years. I didn't take a flight. I took a flight. I don't. It. You know. I. I don't know if I was born at that time when this whole thing was happening with the Southwest issue, with this whole like, you know, lines um, nonsense and all. There were so many lines and all these things and all these cancellations that were happening with the airline industry. They happened last winter. I didn't take a flight last winter. Oh, I see. You didn't. You didn't fly. I, and I didn't fly at all, so I didn't even know this. So I knew this it was, was all over the news, man. Come flight, on, it was all so over the news. Flight. You didn't see all the people stranded. I mean, holidays? I didn't see it, but like, I didn't take a flight, but I, I, the news covered it. Yeah, they did. They, yes, so they everybody knew it. about it because yeah. in, if it's all over the news, everybody knows what's going on about this whole cancellation policy with Southwest and yeah. long lines and all this BS crap. But also, I, I've checked this out because I'm, I'm, I'm a very good traveler. I check out all the different airlines that's, and prices. That's and, a good that that's a good sign. I, I'm happy that you're a good traveler. <laughs> the Southwest. That, that's a really good Southwest thing. Southwest isn't I'm, that cheap anymore. I find I'm, Southwest to be more expensive than many other airlines now. Then you're saying that if Southwest is expensive, you're, are you saying take Spirit because Spirit is cheaper? Then are you saying you should take Spirit? No, I I stick with this is my recommendation. I stick with American, United, Delta, and what's the other major one? American. United, Delta. Well, those are the top three, basically. At first, those- did you hear about United? Like at first, when you looked at United Airlines, they used to be a bad airline. Remember that the the, f- the flight was overbooked, and then they dragged the that time. doctor yeah, off of the time. flight. Remember that? Yeah. That was the whole, yeah. that was very traumatic. I'm like, like you know, the like whoever is getting on the flight. Well, they all have, have problems. That that, no one's that perfect. flight was overbooked. Yeah. And then if yeah. you want to get on, you have to wait for another flight to get on it. You, I mean, they should have known that it's, yeah. oh, it was overbooked, right. you know, or okay. you should have there, booked it. Yes. You know, Absolutely. previously, right. If you knew yes. it was going to get overbooked, you should have, you should have booked it in, in advance. So, you know, that if it gets overbooked, I'm going to be ready for right. that. Before but you, I, I have that. to, I have to wrap the show up, but I want to ask you a question before you leave. What's your favorite horror movie? My favorite horror movie is gonna is gonna be uh 
Nightmare on Elm Street because I'm a big, um, you know, Freddy Krueger and Jason fan. Ah, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. The original one? The first one? No, the one with Robert Englund who played No, the first, Freddy but I'm Krueger. saying the first, there were like 80 of them. The first yeah, one? Yeah, the, f- okay. the first one was the best one. The other the ones were, were, one. okay. were okay, but, okay, but the first one was, was iconic. All the other okay. ones were not really that um, great because they were like, they were good, but they were, the first one is always, that's why whenever I watch movies, I was the first one is always the best one, and then you know because it, it it's it's the first one, right? And then well, it's original, really it's like original. The first one. It's new, so it's original, it's... right? But yeah. I think my, the scariest horror film for me is The Exorcist. And why? Because um, is it because um, and and uh, do, um, you know, the first one is uh, good with um Linda Blair, but the second one. I'm not going to watch the Exorcist two because it doesn't have Linda Blair in it. So Wait a minute, you mean the, you no mean the new one coming out? Watching it, you mean the new one coming out? Yeah, Linda Blair isn't in it. Well, she's 100. She's too old. But what's her name? But but Ellen Burstyn is. Ellen Burstyn is. But then is she is she Linda Blair? Is she is she is she playing Linda uh, like you know not Linda Blair but is she playing like the role that Linda? Yeah, Blair she's still played? the mother of Linda Blair. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Linda Blair. I'm sure they'll have no. Something but she there. was a really good. But she really played a really good role of um of Regan McNeil, the girl. Yeah, yeah, but there are two. There are two young by the by the yeah, but they it needs to be young girls. So there are two young girls in this one. Linda Blair is not a young girl anymore. No, so but but it's but 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 if but if people watch Exorcist two, um, uh, that's why people like one better. Because people were so crazy about, um, you know, uh, Linda Blair, that everybody watched that, that people could literally watch number one over and over again just because Linda. Oh Blair's no, in it. that's the that's the great film. I don't I don't care about any sequels. I'm talking about yeah, the original Exorcist. So you no. like that? I I don't like two because you know, uh, number one got that's why number one got was highly. That's why uh, um, Exorcist number one. That's it. Might be the most highly gross film. You know, of, of all time compared to like any other horror movie, because you mm. know, li- because Linda Blair was in it. Yeah, well, she was great, and so, so was like, Ellen why Burstyn. would you? So like, and that scared the shit out of me. The film was, yeah, just, yeah, it still does. It still scares me now. It does. If I and you know it what's again, crazy about uh, about that shit. about Regan McNeil? Everybody yeah. was so 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 scared when her head could turn around in three sixty <laughs> degrees. Yeah, I know, but it's. And that was before CGI. That was with real when, special you effects. Mean when, you mean when your head turned around and uh, like 360 degrees are all around? Yeah, that was that was frightening. And that was, like I said, real special effects. It's not CGI computers the way they have now. But yeah, because what frightened it was a, you? To, what what frightened you about that? Well, I think the whole around? I think the whole thing, and not just that one scene, but the whole idea of a of a young innocent girl being possessed by that evil is frightening. And in a way, when it says uh, the exorcist, it, that in real life that could happen to somebody. No, I don't. You think could get possessed by a demon, and then somebody you have to hire Actually, a, a priest it, that, to get that, the demon out of you. Yeah, I'm gonna let you go, but I, I, thanks for calling. But you're right; that can happen. That absolutely, you know, you're absolutely right, Shendai. That has happened to Donald Trump. You're right. Holy shit. Let's get, you know what? Maybe we need an exorcist for Donald Trump. We can make the movie, the new movie, and it'll be the exorcism of Donald John Trump. That's the whole idea. All right. Anyway, uh, I want to remind everyone, tomorrow, there'll be no show. Tuesday night, there is no show, okay? But Wednesday night, I'll be back, post-debate. I'll be back. I'll be here right after, not right after, a few hours after the debate ends on Wednesday night, 
and we'll have a big post first Republican presidential debate show. So I want everyone, if you can, to tune in. Okay. Uh, remember, this show airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. And I'll see you not tomorrow night, but Wednesday night. Okay. After the first Republican debate. All right. But until then, this is Mike Cachopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.